Chapter Ten of Yesterday Framed in Today by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten. Hear ye indeed, but understand not. Mister Holman, she said, "Is it possible? What an unexpected pleasure!" And then David knew that he might clasp the offered hand and consider himself a welcome guest. Miriam's voice had qualities in it that he had studied over in the past. It was capable of an almost infinite variety of meanings. He had heard it when he had told himself that if she could use such tones to him, he should know better than ever to call upon her again. She never had. She did not on this evening. He tried to study her critically while he talked. Philip had been right. She was as beautiful as ever. No, she was more beautiful. When he saw her last, it had been the changeful beauty of young girlhood, now she stood before him a symmetrical development of beauty that no added touch could improve she had more than fulfilled the promise of her youth certainly we have heard of you she said sinking like a snow-cloud into the seat he made haste to move forward for her it seemed to him as if the pretty chair came up of itself and took her in its arms caressingly rather than that she took possession of it what an embodiment of grace she was certainly we have heard of you do you think we live out of the world that we should not know the wonders that absorb it we have wondered auntie and i that you should be so very long in remembering your old friends we began to think that you meant to ignore us altogether but i suppose you have so many friends that we ought to have been content to await our turn indeed david made haste to assure her he had made no calls whatever this was really his first attempt the truth was his friends had been chiefly engaged in calling upon him and had absorbed his time almost to the exclusion of other duties or pleasures is that the way she said lightly we might have ventured perhaps had we understood it but it is not probable auntie makes very few calls indeed these days there have been sad changes here mr holman yes said david and stopped he could say no more he found himself strangely embarrassed, as he had not thought of being with any other person in this world to which he had so suddenly returned. It seemed impossible to talk with this lovely vision of the past as he had with others. All words sounded tame and entirely inadequate to the situation. The lady, however, showed no trace of embarrassment. Her talk flowed on musically her guest found himself wondering if anything ever disturbed the satisfied world the centre of which she seemed to be how bright she was how unchanged was she or had there been a very great change he could not be sure mrs brownlee came presently to offer him cordial welcome to her home nothing could be more cordial than her reception apparently there was nothing whatever in the way of his dropping at once into the old place in their circle yet that indefinable feeling of possible change at least in miriam haunted him it was easier to talk after mrs brownlee joined them she referred promptly to the past saying just enough to let her guest see what it would be proper for him to say then glided naturally into other topics david rallied his forces and talked in a way that went far toward establishing his former reputation yet all the while he was conscious of carrying on a separate train of thought he was studying miriam trying to place her 
trying to place himself in relation to her. Had she understood him in the past as fully as he had believed? Had she felt toward him as he had imagined she did? But suppose she had? He had been the same as dead, for years. Had the lady who was to have been so potent a factor in his life so far forgotten him that he must begin again almost as a new acquaintance? If so, was he ready to begin? In other words, was he unchanged? Not that either. He felt almost as though resurrection itself could make no greater change in him than had already taken place. But did the change necessarily affect his relations toward Miriam? Very important questions, these, especially to be under consideration, while he was at the same time helping to carry on an animated conversation. Of course he was not fully conscious of the trend of his thoughts. Put into words, they would have startled him. Meantime, the conversation turned into channels that helped him in marking some of the changes. Miriam Brownlee and he had been living in different worlds, and this was made apparent. He spoke of certain books. Many had been read to him, Frances having devoted hours each day to that purpose, and her selections had been carefully made. Miss Brownlee knew some of the books by their titles, two or three of them she had read, but the ones that he and Frances had lingered over and enjoyed the most, Miriam unhesitatingly pronounced stupid. They had bored her immensely, she said. She should never have attempted their reading, only so many people were talking about them. As it was, she had skipped the moralizing as much as possible, and also the descriptive parts. She hated description in books. On being further pressed by the man who did not realize, and did not want to realize, that he was weighing her in a balance, she asked if a certain book that had been his special enjoyment was not almost of the goody-goody sort. She considered such books the most complete bores that one could find. Suddenly she deserted the world of literature altogether, and launched forth into a description of the latest season. "'We had a succession of charming evenings,' she said. "'Our particular set, I mean.' For six or eight weeks I believe we were together nearly every evening. The season was unusually gay. Of course we danced a great deal. I remember how fond you used to be of dancing. Dear me, how very hard it must have been to be deprived of that entertainment for so many years. Miriam, her aunt exclaimed with a deprecating laugh, what a child you are. I don't believe you will ever grow up think of Mr. Holman suffering as intensely as we have heard that he did, and giving any of his thought to deprivations in that direction. "'Why not?' Miriam asked, opening wide her beautiful eyes in a childishly innocent way that used to charm her collar. "'That was part of the suffering, I presume. I am sure it would be with me. Confess, Mr. Holman, did you not often long to be among us indulging in your favorite amusement?' David listened almost as one in a dream. Dancing! Yes, he certainly used to dance, used, as this vision before him said, to be very fond of that amusement. How utterly it had gone out, not only of his life, but his thoughts. His sisters were not dancers, and the one with whom he had had most to do never seemed even to remember that there was such an occupation. Evidently there were two very distinct worlds here on earth. Would it be impossible to intermingle them comfortably? If so, 
did he dwell in one and miriam brownlee in the other the question flashed itself before his troubled thoughts but he would not notice it at that moment mrs brownlee was summoned from the room and miriam turned toward him another miriam rather the old one there was a softened light in her beautiful eyes and a gentle quality in her voice as she said it seems very strange and yet very natural to see you sitting here in the old place have you the least idea i wonder how glad we are to welcome you back instantly his heart said to him that she was unchanged this lovely self-poised woman was the miriam of his dreams that gay almost heartless tone and volatile manner had doubtless been assumed to cover deeper feeling if they could have opportunity to talk alone together for a few minutes it was plain that she would show him another self but mrs brownlee returned after a moment and the talk flowed on as before david who believed that now he understood did not feel so jarred by its volatile character as he had been until suddenly a subject was introduced in such a manner that it seemed to him like laying bare a nerve and playing with it it was miriam too who began it oh have you been back in the world long enough to have heard of our latest sensation it is unique i assure you he smilingly expressed ignorance all unprepared for what was to follow why we have a seer a prophet a second sight second touch man what shall i name our sensation auntie have you really never heard of him mr holman they call him a physician he has honored my own town with a visit of several weeks duration and he moves through the streets followed by the most motley crowd that ever helped to form a procession the lower classes you know decidedly the blind and hungry and lame and lazy they are all there beggars without number and a class even lower in the social scale than beggars the very worst classes have taken to following him about somehow the notion has gone abroad that he can cure all ordinary or for that matter extraordinary ailments as well as feed the hungry even without food he seems able to rise above such trivialities there are the most extraordinary stories afloat concerning him one realizes as one listens to them the utter credulity of the ignorant world why there are those who do not hesitate to say that the man has some sort of supernatural power and the number of people who fancy themselves cured by him of some malady or other is increasing daily miriam mrs brownlee succeeded at last in arresting the voluble tongue she had tried in vain to catch her niece's eye and at last her voice almost sharp swept into the current of words miriam is it possible that you do not remember if the half that we have heard is true mr holman must have much more knowledge of this remarkable man than we have for a moment miriam was evidently discomfited she looked from david's pale face to her aunt's annoyed one and seemed not to know what to say next mrs brownlee essayed to help her had you forgotten child that our friend's wonderful cure is attributed by outsiders to the aid of the very person about whom you are talking why auntie i have heard that absurd story of course but i did not attach any importance to it any more than i supposed other sensible people did it is only imaginary ailments that that man cures mr holman you have no idea that he had anything to do with it have you 
for a single moment david hesitated not as to what he should say but as to how he should say it much self-control was necessary in order to reply quietly to such a question when he spoke the very quietness of his voice may have misled them though the words were positive enough on the contrary miss brownlee i have every reason to believe that it is owing entirely to that remarkable man's power and blessed intervention that i am not to-night lying helpless on the bed where i have spent so many years is it possible exclaimed both ladies at once and miriam made haste to add we had not given a moment's credence to the story from the very first i thought there must be a scientific explanation of the cure and then who was telling us auntie oh i remember it was mr masters have you met him mr holman governor masters nephew he is a highly educated young man a lawyer and he told us that your experience he thought would be a remarkably interesting one for medical students he said it was believed that nature had effected a cure all unknown to yourself until being carried for so long a distance in the open air together with the discovery that you could really endure the motion after having so long believed all motion to be impossible for you proved such a tonic that your unused will-power asserted itself and commanded your limbs into action i have not told it as he did he was very scientific i assure you but that is the idea we were very much interested weren't we auntie we thought it the most remarkable experience we had ever heard of that is not surprising said david quietly such an explanation is undoubtedly remarkable but it is also incorrect in every particular mrs brownlee's voice interposed miriam dear you did not quite do mr masters justice do you remember how careful he was to impress us with the fact that mr holman's contact with that remarkable man certainly had its effect a sort of mesmeric effect you know only used in a good cause as mesmeric effects so often are not he said the will of the stronger man was projected into that of the pain weakened one and compelled it to assert itself those were his very words mr holman i thought it extremely interesting i had forgotten that part said miriam carelessly i haven't so much taste for abstruse scientific points as you have auntie but i remember now that i thought if mr holman was in the least like the gentleman of that name with whom i used to be well acquainted he had will-power enough to move the world whenever he chose to exert it but mr holman really you have no idea of the ridiculous lengths which people have gone in their superstitions about this entire stranger by the people i mean of course the crowd the rabble the slums he seems to have almost no friends among the better classes once more mrs brownlee interposed oh my dear some of his followers are at least respectable and you know that we have heard that he visits at the rothwells yes auntie we have heard it as we have heard a great many other queer things i have no faith whatever in that report the rothwells are very exclusive who are the rothwells demanded david catching at the new name as a relief he must have a respite with unimportant ground on which to rest for a few minutes until he could control his indignation and determine what it was wise to say next miriam's reply was ready haven't you heard of the rothwells they are newcomers new at least since you left the world 
I have the honor to claim them as fellow townsmen. They have bought the old Simon's place, a mile or so out of town. You remember it? A very aristocratic old place, and they are very aristocratic people. Indeed, I believe the place was connected with their family in some way. The married sister is a Mrs. Simon's. You will have to know them, Mr. Holman. I assure you it is quite the thing to do. The family is composed of a brother and two sisters, the aforesaid Mrs. Simons, a widow, being one. The other is Miss Mary Rothwell, and she and her brother are both very interesting. He is handsome and learned, and, well, everything that the best people fancy. I have heard it said that he is a trifle too grave, but I do not think so. Gravity is refreshing in a young man. It suggests such a contrast to the ordinary." His young sister, Mary, is a perfect rosebud. At least, that is what the young men call her, with rare promise for the opening flower. That is a poetical bit for which I am indebted to Mr. Masters. I laughed at him, however. I told him I thought she deserved to be considered a flower already. She is by no means so young as people think. I mean, I don't believe she is. I shouldn't place her a day below twenty-three, and I should not be surprised if she were twenty-five. She is probably older than she looks. Girls of her type nearly always are. You will be charmed with her, Mr. Holman. Everybody is, every gentleman. Though I remember you used not to like the rosebud style of woman. I think myself there is too little variety about either her face or character to be interesting for any great length of time." The subject seemed to have uncommon interest for Miss Miriam. David hardly heard her words. One sentence had caught and held his thoughts. At this new home the strange doctor was said sometimes to visit. End of chapter 10